Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 180, so just like a good 180, we're going to talk about the big differences and the big switches between critics and audiences. Like, you can, audiences will like one thing, and on the 180 degree side of it, you'll have what the critics like. That's really, really shoehorning it in. Uh, we're more doing this because Jurassic World Dominion... It's really dividing people, apparently. Like, critics hate this movie, and audiences are kind of saying it's meh. Like, that's not a ringing <laughs> endorsement, but, uh... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the biggest differences between critic scores and audience scores. And then we'll also kind of talk about where we think we lie with each individual movie, because sometimes we side with the audience, sometimes we side with the critics, but... Should be interesting nonetheless. Josh, how are you doing this morning? I, I, I am awake, baby. This is, uh, we do not record in the mornings very often. And, you know, life happens and sometimes we got to do what we got to do. And I'm telling you, the coffee is fantastic this morning. Baby. I will say, I never mind when we have to record in the morning, though, because that means I can open, like, blinds and shades and actually, mm. like, use that cheap natural lighting and use less <laughs> of my own lighting. Yeah, I agree. Lighting is key for stuff. Um, but Josh, you watching anything good lately? Um, it's been a pretty busy week work-wise. Uh, so movie-wise, not so much. Um, but I finished. I forgot to text you last night. I finished Stranger Things last night. So dude, was, I'm emotionally traumatized and uh, cannot wait until uh, what is it? July. July first. Yep. Yeah. Um, cannot wait. Um, I've also gotten my family into gilmore girls and i don't know i here's the thing all right look gilmore girls is one of my favorite shows like uh and i <laughs> now that's out in the universe and people know that but uh so like my mom like walked in one day and was like watching it with me and you know that's fine my mom you know it's, it's totally there's worse things like yeah my mom my mom would love that show it's a lot of fun um, and then last night, her and I were watching it, and then my dad sat down because he didn't have anything else to do. And he was like, yeah, I'll watch a couple episodes with you guys. And he's laughing, having a good time. And then the younger two brothers sit down, and they're laughing, having a good time. And then, like, by the end of the third episode, um, Luke, Luke's like, yo, why why do I like this show so much? <laughs> so now that's a family. We have a new show after now that Obi-Wan's done. Obi-Wan's it's, not done. Yeah, it's done yeah okay so like i hadn't heard about the reviews about episode four like, i had heard about that reviews for episode four and i hadn't watched it yet and people were like oh this is the worst episode this is the worst episode of disney plus content i'm like okay mm-hmm. that's excessive there's clearly yeah. worse episodes of like i don't know there were some episodes of wandavision i didn't love there's some episodes of falcon yeah. winter soldier i didn't love this is far from the worst but it's also far from the best um do you literally hide a child under your cloak, little rascal style? Like, yeah. Eh. Also, we've talked about it before. Don't be horrible and harass the actress that plays, um, yeah, Reva. But at the same time, if you have valid criticism, I think that's fair because right now I think she's the absolute worst part of the show by a wide yeah. margin. Like, yeah. 
I can't tell if it's the direction she's been given or the script, but something is just not working. And some people are like, well, she's the villain. You're not supposed to like her. There's a difference between MJF heat and X-Pac go away heat for wrestling fans of like, there's a difference yeah. between I hate you because you're doing your job well and I hate you because you're doing your job badly. Like, mm-hmm. and and I don't want to immediately point the finger at the actress. I'm curious about the other factors out there because i haven't seen her in other stuff she could be phenomenal but reva is awful on this show and the whole interrogating leia i was like this is this is bad this is really just not well executed across the board also like so did someone just finish playing jedi fallen order before doing this episode basically. Um, basically but that is not the show that i have the most issues with Mm-hmm. Um, this week, Young Justice Season 4 just finished. Some people are already claiming, oh, renewed Young Justice for Season 5. Let's just not. Let's just put it out of its misery. As much <laughs> as we love those first two seasons, looking at it now, it probably would have been better if we just left it at those two seasons. And I know some people really <laughs> like Season 4. Yeah. I didn't. And I don't mind it. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't like the story arcs at all. Um, I wouldn't have minded the story arcs had they actually like tied together and played mm-hmm. a larger factor. Because in the grand scheme of it, there's quite a few story arcs that actually don't impact the plot at all and are just there. Like yeah. a lot of the stuff with Calder and his four episode arc. Um, not just saying this as a bitter Nightwing fan who he really doesn't show up till the end and doesn't really do anything but also the status quo does not change in the show there is no big bad this season there's no mm-hmm. actual overall arc the mo- kind of the arc is oh no Superboy died in the first episode and we need to bring him back that's it like they don't have an actual reason to bring him back in terms of like Oh, there's a big threat on the horizon. There's no main villain throughout the show. There's no... It's so weirdly structured, but also stretched so thin. Of I'm all for introducing more characters. I love seeing DC characters on the screen from making it feel like a big universe. But there should be a limit. When your show is called Young Justice, and it originally focused on a core group of characters, you can't expect us to care about or emotionally connect with dozens upon hundreds of characters in a single season and be like oh hey you know this character if you haven't read the comics and are just watching this as a show you will be lost more often than not and yeah absolutely it's an issue you and i have had with the show basically since season one i hate the time gaps in between every single season because they expect you to know what happens in between the seasons or like key Mm -hmm. things um the one that they make a joke in passing with Nightwing of like, uh, well, you dated Rocket. What are they like? I'm like, when did he ever date Rocket on the show? But, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Like, yeah, there'll be like critical information of like, it wasn't this season. It was last season when Calder becomes Aquaman. I'm going, that's cool. But that happened off screen. Yeah, we, they don't really explain it throughout the show either. They just kind of like, it just happens. And there's a post-credit scene for this season of just like, oh no, there's some characters that joined the dark side. 
one character was only in it for like two or three episodes and maybe got a 20 minutes total so it's not a big loss when they quote unquote turn heel like oh okay and another character had never actually been introduced in the show so i'm not emotionally invested in this version of the character to when they turn to the quote unquote dark side i'm going the dark side i'm going i don't care i've never met you before this incarnation of you i know i think they have the same problem zack snyder does of they expect the audience to immediately put their previous attachments to this comic book character onto this version i'm going no you have to get me to care about this version i will laugh though that in the finale nightwing did a wrestling thing he did a blade job i'm going hey that's funny um (laughs) yeah young justice it's weird we hyped the show's praises up for so many years now i'm kind of just i'm hoping it ends uh besides that Heather and i watched two documentaries one decent and one i was kind of disappointed with um the first one was a tony hawk documentary because as a child of the 90s i was like yeah tony hawk holy crap i get that documentaries a lot of times are like to more or less kind of boost the ego of whoever they're about but this tony hawk documentary on hbo max was one of the most narcissistic documentaries i have ever watched the first half of the documentary is literally just recaps of his uh, skate tournaments as a child i'm mm-hmm. like um that's cool and all but there's other stuff i want to know about tony hawk like the x games the 900 by the time we get to him doing the 900 for the first time they kind of have to breeze through because they spent so much time on when he was a kid and they're just like tony had a hard life his dad was a skate coach and judged the events so people hated him for that i'm going I would have hated him. Looking at the evidence that you presented in this documentary, it kind of comes across like his dad helped him a little bit in some of these tournaments. Um, Yeah. But then, like, there are certain things that I wanted in there of, like, okay, tell me about the process of making a Tony Hawk game or the rise of extreme sports. Not really addressed. They kind of quickly skim over the video game. Um, It was... It was... Eh, but it was very much just like it did come across very much of like well we got pat tony on the back it's not like a last dance where it showed a comprehensive picture of like michael jordan's the best but he's a dick no this is just like tony's the best of all time and skaters don't like to give up skating i'm going okay this is weird uh but on the flip side a slightly better but still it it was fine uh documentary was Beanie Mania on HBO Max. <laughs> you know what it is, Josh? I'm aware of it. I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've seen the Tony Hawk documentary, but I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, you have seen the Tony Hawk one. Yeah, what did yeah, you yeah. think of it? Um, I'm kind of with you. Like, some of the, like, uh, they definitely, there's a lot of, like, stuff that happened as him as a kid uh, that I didn't realize happened. Like, I didn't realize how big he got at so young. Um, I thought that, kind of success didn't happen late till later but um so it's like some of that stuff was pretty interesting but like the tournament stuff is very much like "Mm, yeah dude like i would have hated you yeah like i'm sorry man but all those 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 issues people have are the are uh are pretty uh, profounded in reality uh for me i'm a big rodney rodney mullen fan um and he traditionally is very very quiet um there's obviously there's kind of all kinds of rumors that he uh 
has autism and stuff like that and blah 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 but like he talks so much in this and like so my heart was extremely happy to see like rodney actually opening up on screen and stuff but and that line at the that little speech he gives at the end is is it's pretty cool but like overall it's it's fine (laughs) i will say when they finally get to the part about him doing the 900 Mm -hmm. it's a very odd directorial choice to show literally every single attempt that he made like they keep hyping it up of this trick is so hard this trick is so hard and then they keep showing him wipe out. They're like, this is the one. Oh, nope. He didn't do it. Uh, and then they hype you up again and again. Oh, this is the one. Nope. He wipes out again to the point of when he actually nails a trick. There isn't the emotional catharsis because they didn't build it up. They kept like teasing you with it, but they teased you too much. Um, yeah, I feel that. I can get that. That's But that's like, I guess for as, as someone who kind of like grew up in the skate scene a little bit, like that's very like. The running gag is uh, when you see a trick on films, like, oh, cool, that's really awesome. How many takes did it take to get to get it for, to look like that way, buddy? <laughs> like, yeah, it always takes multiple takes. But yeah, Beanie Mania is mm-hmm. the is a documentary about the rise and fall of Beanie Babies, which some of our younger audience is going, what? But for kids of a certain generation, you know the mass hysteria. That was mm-hmm. Beanie Babies. So before there was Game Stock, uh, GameStop stock overinflating, you had Beanie Babies. So people would buy Beanie Babies for f- five or six bucks and then sell them for five or six thousand dollars. And so this documentary was really interesting of like how that all came to pass. People that tried to profit off it. And then they're just like, oh, have sympathy for me. I ran this Beanie Baby magazine. But then they shut me down. I'm like, yeah. You never had permission from from the Beanie Baby Company. You profited off of them. I have no sympathy for you. Like, why did you? Why did you think you were friends? Um, but it was super interesting. A very nice collective part of all of our childhoods. Uh, there's certain parts that are be like, oh yeah, we tied in with McDonald's. I'm going, oh hey, I had that blue black lizard looking yeah. thing. I was like, I remember that face. Um, it was it was interesting. There's another documentary on HBO Max that I'm will probably watch sometime this week. It looks really really cool about the GameStop stock situation. <laughs> I'm going. Oh, let's let's go down that rabbit hole. But also, yeah. uh, I think later tonight, Heather and I are going to see Top Gun Maverick. So I'm super excited about that. Dude, let's go. I forgot that I saw that this week. I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so dumb. But like, <laughs> I enjoyed the crap out of it. it is it going to be my favorite movie of all time? No, because it's Tom Cruise and I don't like Tom Cruise. But it's a good time. It's it's a good time. And like, everybody's fantastic in that movie. I get it, Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, kicking us off for news, we have... A trailer that I genuinely thought we would never get, primarily because I never thought this movie we would ever get. I feel like ever since we were in, like, junior high, this movie's been, quote-unquote, in development. And, of course, we're talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Black Adam movie. So, we have the first official trailer, and I will say this. My excitement level for the movie basically stayed exactly where it was before. It didn't bring it down a little bit. It didn't make me more excited. This trailer is fine. Like, there's some good stuff to it. I really dig the music. Like, kind of having some uh, Middle Eastern slash Egyptian vibes Mm -hmm. to the music. I think that's a smart move. 
I still kind of very much question not Dwayne Johnson's acting ability, but the choice to make Black Adam an anti-hero of just like, is it that The Rock likes the character, but has such an established brand now that he can't fully turn heel anymore, so he has to kind of like meet the character halfway? Um, the costume looks cool. He looks like he was made to be in a superhero movie, but we've said it since they announced the rest of the cast. To me, this is a Justice Society movie featuring Black Adam in terms of what I'm most excited for because... Yeah, no, absolutely. Seeing them in action, oh my God, when Black Adam and Hawkman have that stare down, I'm going, I love that we live in this time period now that we see this on screen because Hawkman looks so cool but he's not even the best looking dude in this trailer pierce brosnan as kent nelson dr fate be still my magical heart oh my god like when he's like what uh these powers what kind of toll do they take on you or something of like oh what have your powers brought you nothing but grief i'm just going hey no one knows that better than him because nabu's horrible um yes he is i will admit when we see Dr. Fate in action doing some magic stuff, I'm like, that kind of looks like the mirror dimension from Dr. Strange, but we're already going to get the Dr. Fate, Dr. Strange comparisons. Unfortunately, uh, the only one that I feel like kind of gets the short end of the stick in the trailer is cyclone. But then again, I don't know that much about cyclone. So, uh, Adam smasher looks cool. My main criticism with this trailer is the ending. Like, you see these cool action shots, and then cut to black, you think it's done. Oh, there's, like, what looks like a news reporter and her driver in a car. Like, it's a beat that they think is a lot funnier than it actually is. Yeah, And I'm just going, it didn't... Like, normally trailers, you want to leave on the haymaker, on the big punch. And I think they had it, and then they wanted to keep going. Just like, that's... It's not quite it, but... Josh, what did you think of the Black Adam trailer? I, I'm kind of with you. I'm, they didn't make me more hype, didn't make me less hype. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's 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 go with this. Um, there's some cool moments. So there's some moments that I think are meant to be funny, um, but they shouldn't be funny. Um, like when he legitimately launches that guy across the planet. Uh, funny, but also that man's dead. Um, I mean, he's a bad guy, so that makes it okay. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool, that's fine. What about the the pilots that are asking him to land? Um, You know, those are probably good people, and he just, like, kills them straight. Uh, It's like, you can't... It's like... Whenever you have, when it, the antiheroes is always hard because sometimes it feels like they should be on a slider, right? Like it feels like, um, yes, they're bad, but they're good up to this point. Like kind of like Punish, uh, P- Punisher, but John Berthenthal's Punisher. He's a terrible person most of the show, but he is doing it to terrible people. So it's kind of like, yeah, okay, we don't need those people around anymore. That's fine. I can I can rationalize that. Um, or or Deadpool. Deadpool is is funny and ge- generally speaking has a really good heart about things. So yeah, you can while he is absolutely murdering people and doesn't really have a regard for uh, for the safety of others. Sometimes he absolutely has a good heart and wants the best 
out of the situations and whatnot. Now, if you're going to have an anti-hero who his motivation is revenge, I, I'm not exactly sure how that will work. I think you and I are, are of the same mind when it, when it's that one with it's like I, I don't know about Black Adam as an a full on anti hero. He I think he's gotta be villain first and then maybe you can move him into an anti hero role ish. I but like I I think starting him out there is, is uh it's it's a bad choice, I think. I I said this when the trailer first dropped and I'll stick with it now as well. This movie I think is going to be the true test or the barometer of how much of a draw is Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Because the casual person does not know who Black Adam is. He's not like a high-tier person, even within the comics. Justice Society, as much as you and I are excited, are not a well-known commodity. There absolutely is going to be some Doctor Strange, Doctor Fate comparisons. Uh, I'm already seeing Adam Smasher and Deadpool comparisons because the masks Mm -hmm. look eerily similar although that adam smasher suit does look legit too um, legit to quit so i think this will be really a test of just like Hobbs and shaw does this succeed off the back of its main stars both statham mm-hmm. and the rock and that did surprisingly well and honestly it's probably one of the best in the entire franchise i don't know if he'll ever come back i don't know if that rivalry is too deep-seated even if it's adjacent from the fast and furious now uh I'm excited, but I still remain cautious because this is this movie is still directed by the guy that did Jungle Cruise, also starring The mm. Rock, which was yeah. fine at times, but also struggles because it's copying from better movies. And I I want to always have the creatives back, but I'm already seeing some people compare it to other things, and I can kind of get some vibes from other movies that like cobbled together so i'm hoping this is good enough for how long this has been in production like how much we've been waiting for it um i'm still excited for this movie and the trailer's not bad but i don't think it's as good as it needs to be um Mm -hmm. agreed however the rock can hype anything up he can sell ice to eskimos like he's he's the ultimate pitch man um but this might be an uphill task it October is also going to be an interesting time because you don't see a lot of superhero movies in October. So, mm-hmm. um, but Venom did well in that slot before. So we'll kind of see. Um, yeah, like I said, neutral. I think for now, so, kind of somewhere in the middle. Not not really loving it. Not really hating it. About the same. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I think we were concerned about uh, the. The, the comparisons to um, Doctor Strange anyway, but then the way that they kind of did the CGI, at least in the trailer, for his his magic abilities. His hand <sighs> motions. And, like, I get in a certain way, there's only so many ways you can t- physically represent doing magic. So, but, like, it's it, the comparisons are going to happen, unfortunately. So chalk this next one up to kind of came out of nowhere but todd phillips dropped the first picture slash title for the joker sequel that's now officially in the works like we've heard about it in quote-unquote development for a while but joker 2 is now officially happening with joaquin phoenix reading the script 
I mean, to me, that means he's already attached. But Joaquin Phoenix reading the script. Now, I do not know French, so I'm going to try and pronounce this as best as I can. But the script for Joker 2 labels it as Follet à deux, which roughly translated to English means madness for two. And madness of two, madness for two, basically. Uh, and yeah. it's basically any form of um, insanity or madness that affects two or more people. I'm going, so there's one of two options that this route can take. Either Harley Quinn gets introduced or another Joker. Like, he starts inspiring the rise of other Jokers. Um, I think you enjoyed Joker more than I did. I think it was fine, but a little overhyped. And part of that was absolutely the media going, oh, this movie is bad. It teaches bad messages. I'm going, it's a Joker movie. We live in a society, people. Um, (laughs) I'm curious enough about this movie um this is not surprising that we're getting this it got so many academy award nominations uh made a billion dollars so i'm more surprised joaquin phoenix came back because he doesn't strike me as a sequels guy yeah uh josh you see that they are done with the script do you think the name has any indication of where we might be going are you excited for joker 2 thoughts um, I didn't think there needed to be a second one. If it's a self-contained universe, um, although that being said, um, I can absolutely see Joker happening in the distant past of uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. I, I can absolutely see that happening in that Gotham because I think at the time we were very much like, uh, yeah, when Joker came out, it was like that's not gonna be. That's not, this doesn't work in Ben Affleck's Batman. That just doesn't work. Whereas now in Matt Reeves' Batman's universe, I can totally see. But they that have being different insane. people in them. Yeah, that's because the problem. The Thomas Waynes are clearly different. Yes, uh, yes, clearly. So it's uh, obviously there's that. I'm not saying that it could connect. I'm just saying that the uh, it, it has more of a possibility to connect than I think before. Uh, part two simply just mean yeah, like to me, like it's an obvious Harley thing. Um, I don't know if I want it. <laughs> I don't know if we need more Har- more Harley right now. Um, which and people are, I can hear people look. You don't want more on screen Harley. I'm like. I love you and I love Harley, but we've got, you know, uh, we just recently had Suicide Squad with a lot of good Harley. She's got her own show that is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't checked it out as an adult, um, then you should probably check it out. It's fantastic. Um, I just, I, it's fine, I guess. So, uh, the, the thing I, I, I'm hoping is, like you said, that maybe he's just inspiring other Jokers, but correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he dies at the end <laughs> or or is like hit no. with something or or something happens at the end of to, uh, no. end to him doesn't it no it ends with him in the hospital remember like running around there or the mental asylum okay maybe i don't know it's been a long time since i've seen the, mo- the movie so the problem that i see with this is the first one was kind of like his origin and they He's kind of a sympathetic character somewhat, but like kind of the social outcast type guy. 
My mm-hmm. worry is that the sequel will forget that he is a villain and they'll try and black Adam him here mm-hmm. and turn him into he's a misunderstood anti-hero or just mischievous person. I'm going, eh, he kills people. Like, I, I'm worried they're going to turn him into like a V for Vendetta of like, I bring down the system with my chaos and inspire yeah. a generation of people to follow in my footsteps. I'm going, that does not work for Joker. That's not who Joker is. Like, that. that's... I'm putting that out there now. I think that might be the route that they go, and that worries me. Like, having a sequel here with a character that is so clearly and evidently one of the most evil villains ever created... And also people are like, well, you had the Star Wars prequels and just that was Vader's origin and he's evil. I'm going, yes, but once he becomes Vader, there's no like redeeming things about him until the very end. We don't we don't need to see the good qualities in Joker. He's Joker. And I'm worried with this new movie that they'll want to continue the story progression of how do you make a character interesting? But on the flip side, you have shows like Breaking Bad where the character is definitely the bad guy uh, mm-hmm. but you're so invested in that bad guy it's just it's tricky to me i'm worried because of the marketability of joker that they'll be like hey we can kind of make him a tweener he's definitely evil but y'all still buy his stuff so that means you're okay with this methods i'm going that's mm, no i already am over exposed with joker as it is i don't want i don't want his character to get misinterpreted anymore than it already has been yeah, no, absolutely. Because I, I, I think that is the worry that I have as well, that they're just kind of going to make him into this, like, yeah, like like you said, like brings down the system. Of, yeah, it's very punk rock of you. Uh-huh. But like, no, like he needs. And you know what? Maybe that's the benefit, though. Maybe that's the benefit of bringing somebody else in and where he's like the new person is thinks that it is just about taking down the system that it is just about you know causing chaos and then the joker starts like doing like really messed up stuff and he's like hey wait wait this isn't this isn't what i want no wait hold on like joker (laughs) meets fight club yeah so this next one is something that i feel like has been quote-unquote in development for so long and for me it might have been in development for too long because of some really complicated stuff that is going to be involved with this production and obviously i'm talking about marvel's the thunderbolts i feel like the thunderbolts rumor has been around forever that marvel is working on a thunderbolts movie well now it's officially confirmed that marvel is working on a thunderbolts project which in case you didn't know the thunderbolts is I know people are like, it's Marvel Suicide Squad. It's not that simple, but they're kind of like the anti-Avengers of like a whole bunch of bad guys coming together to do specific tasks. So you get people like Baron Zemo, Red Hulk, um, Crossbones, uh, a whole bunch of Abomination. You get a whole bunch of basically Marvel bad guys together to do specific missions. Here's the big problem that they're (laughs) going to run into. In the comics... They're called the Thunderbolts because they get started as a group by General Thunderbolt Ross, who we've seen in the Marvel Universe with the Incredible Hulk, Captain America Civil War. The problem is, 
That actor was pre- was played by that character was played by William Hurt. William Hurt passed away a few months ago. So what are we going to do with the Thunderbolt Ross character? You know, the whole reason why these characters are called Thunderbolts. Uh, in the comics, also, Thunderbolt Ross becomes Red Hulk, and there's a lot of people speculating that Red Hulk could be introduced in the She-Hulk series. That makes sense, since we're already seeing Abomination bring in Red mm-hmm. Hulk. Further tie into Thunderbolts, because we were already setting the groundwork for it, but without that one big Jenga piece, can we still support a tower here? Are we going to call it something else? Are we going to call it the Baron and his Zemos? Like... I I hate that a lot actually. Um, what about the abominations? I'm not. Yeah, I don't hate that. That's. I mean, that seems a little till still a little heavy handed of like <laughs> we're outcast. <laughs> um, but I. What are we? Some kind of suicide squad? Yeah. Oh, shut up, Will Smith. Oh, I should slap you. Um, <laughs> uh, Yo, Chris Rockham. <laughs> Wow! Get that man an Oscar. Um, so <laughs> not anytime soon. I think it'd be easy. The easiest way to do that, though, is to literally just have someone who respected Thunderbolt Ross a lot, which is, you, I guess, you can create a de- character development there, and just be like, yeah, you know what? We should. He started this program back in the '80s or something like that, and excuse me. And he. So let's name this team after him going forward um it's still a little bit of a stretch but to me that's one of the only really possible things that you can do in order to kind of work around the fact that that actor has now passed away so i have a character that they could do instead of thunderbolt ross to lead this Mm -hmm. team i think this character was probably poised for a different direction and could have potentially been a scroll but what if Sharon Carter is the leader of the Thunderbolts? Because after Captain America, after um, Falcon Winter Soldier, not yeah, Falcon Winter Soldier. Okay, oh, it's getting mixed up with Captain America and the Winter Soldier. After Falcon <laughs> Winter Soldier, we know she's the bad guy and she's doing clearly mischievous mm-hmm. things. There has been some speculation that she could be a scroll, but maybe you call an audible because Kevin Feige has never called audibles whatsoever. Not like Hulk was originally supposed to be the villain of the Avengers, but whatever. Um, you call an audible. I know people want Red Hulk, and maybe you just have Red Hulk, like no Thunderbolt Ross, just Red Hulk as a member of this team. But mm-hmm. if you have Abomination already, maybe you don't need two heavies in your group. Uh, maybe Sharon Carter is the new leader. Sharon Carter could be interesting. Um, Maria Hill could be interesting as maybe like an offshoot of shield so to speak i'm not Mm -hmm. i don't know too much about thunderbolts whether or not they're like off the books or not we clearly have um elaine from seinfeld uh julia louise dreyfus's character like that was kind of the when we first meet her that's clearly laying the groundwork for thunderbolts because you got characters like u.s agent could absolutely be in the thunderbolts uh elena people have speculated but i don't know if i buy that because by the end of hawkeye elaine is kind of gone full baby face like not tweener anymore mm-hmm. i see her joining avengers before i see her joining uh the thunderbolts the name that people have thrown out there that i'm going please don't please please don't 
uh, I think it was either Variety or Deadline or Vanity Fair. One of the articles I was writing about this was like, names expected to be in this are Red Hulk, Yelena, Baron Zemo, Winter Soldier. I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Winter Soldier should not be on the Thunderbolts no. because that would kind of undo literally all of the movies that he's been in so far of undoing his arc unless he's a Rick Flag type of he's the leader okay. of the crew in terms of I have been here I'm keeping you all in line because I'm the freaking Winter Soldier I don't want to have to deal with babysitting all of you I'm the good guy here I think that could be interesting but then you run into the winter you run into the suicide comparisons yeah I'm always the babysitter why am I always the babysitter oh Steve do you need um, to be told literally everything everything <laughs> Here, back pocket. Also, also that water, the water, gate. water dude. Gate no, Jake. when you told me about it, I was like, okay, yeah, that's whatever. But like the fact that nobody else reacts to it, and Dustin's like, guys, it's Watergate. And like, then the I and then the teens, so and then the teens yes. later, they're like, it's a Watergate. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it so much. Oh, dude. And Eddie, we'll 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 have to have like an ep- an episode once season four kind of wraps up um that we'll have to have an episode of talking about stranger things but um yeah no i absolutely do not like <sighs> winter soldier it's just like all the growth and everything that he goes through in um in the show with falcon and winter soldier it just yeah it it doesn't make sense for him to go and then lead a bunch of team of villains it just that doesn't work for me um you know maybe with zemo coming back he'll, we we got the mask but now we just need like the little like the sword, little, so, the dueling sword. Like let's, and yeah, ha- and he hasn't put the mask on, so he wore it once to shoot a rocket, and that was it. Yeah, not worth it. So lastly, for our news, we got a random one, but a welcome surprise nonetheless. In the words of Chancellor Palpatine, in a messed up delivery of that line, I'm aware. Uh, it seems like Paramount is working on a reboot to the Sleepy Hollow legend. Now, this has been done time and time again. You had Disney doing Ichabod Crane. You had the Tim Burton one with Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci, which is honestly one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. That and Ed Wood, I think, are fantastic. It's just this whole great aesthetic. And then you had that uber-weird Fox show for, like, five seasons that... Why was that a thing? You ran out of fuel on that real quick. But is this a you own the the license to this or is this a public domain thing? I I'd imagine that the Ichabod Crane slash Sleepy Hollow legend is public domain, but like the Tim Burton style of it might be copyrighted and they might own the rights to that. I'm trying to remember who owns the original. That being said, I'm down for this. This is spoopy and I like spoopy. So the original CP Hollow, the quote-unquote original, the, the Johnny Depp one, I don't find particularly scary, but it has one of my favorite aesthetics in a movie, period. Like, if you throw an old European village with fog rolling in, I'm probably going to watch it. Then, have some people die or get cut in half like Darth Maul? I'm in. Christopher Walken, just fully unleashed. I'm gonna watch it. So, 
I'm curious about this. I'm excited, but I'm curious just because that first one sent such a template that I think people mm. might be comparing it to that. That being said, it's a cool legend. Short legend. I've read the story. It's not yeah. nearly as long as I was expecting. And also, the original story does not have as much like dark mysticism as you would imagine. It's heavily implied that Ichabod Crane is just kind of a dick that everyone got tired of, so they kind of just scared him out of town, and he lives happily ever after somewhere else because yep. no one liked him <laughs> as a teacher. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> that, that, I'm glad we pulled the same thing from that story. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see if they try to modernize it or if they try, like, what they try to do with it, you know what I mean? Um, because obviously, reboot means you get to do whatever you want, so they're just, it's fine. Like, it came out of nowhere, and I also really enjoy the original with good old Johnny Depp. Um, but yeah, he's it's sure it's spoopy season, baby. I think it's interesting that it comes from Paramount, who yeah, honestly we it, don't really hear a lot from them. They're they're kind of scrambling to figure out what their own identity is right now. But good for that. Also, I think it's interesting primarily because when it comes to horror, we don't hear about Paramount a lot. Or I'm maybe I'm missing some really obvious ones, but. When I hear Paramount and horror lately, unfortunately, lately, I think Paranormal Activity and the slew of mm -hmm. terrible sequels. But maybe they're like, oh, we clearly have this a hole in our film division that is horror slash spoopy. Fill it with Sleepy Hollow. That's a that's a <laughs> public domain property that we can do. We missed out on Winnie the Pooh, so let's do Sleepy Hollow instead. Some other <laughs> Disney knockoff. I am still so happy that that's a thing. I, I can't tell you how happy I am. I just am love that it's called Blood and Honey. Yeah, I just love that. I love that, like, the, the they're like, all right, guys, so the version of Pooh where he's wearing the the red shirt, that is, we can't use that. But do if we, we give him, him pants. <laughs> do, we, do we put him in other clothes? Nah, make him nude. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> if we give him jeans and a flannel, that's fine. <laughs> The problem solving, my dude. <laughs> As per usual, this week's episode is sponsored by T Public, your one-stop shop for all things Untried Media merch, whether it's shirts, mugs, hoodies, stickers, whatever you want with the Untried Media logo or other awesome designs that we've got. Go to the link in the description. Support the show that way. Now, let's talk about when critics and audiences just cannot agree on things. A lot of these are going to be recent things, and I think that's due to the rise mm -hmm. of audiences engaging online. The We need to put our thoughts online for people to understand us and therefore validate our own feelings, said on a public podcast. Um, but <laughs> i got a lot of recent ones, but I do have some older ones. I think it's always interesting whenever there's this big fracture between what critics say and what audiences say so i don't know about you josh but when i'm growing up whenever those movies come out um i would still kind of hear what critics were saying but not mm -hmm. i wasn't super inundated with it but i remember growing up mom and dad would always be like 
and we don't care what critics say and a lot of times they're wrong about the movies we like anyway and so i would like look it up be like oh yeah my family loves the mummy their critics do not like the mummy no is, they do not <laughs> which is dumb because the mummy is the closest we've ever gotten to cinematic perfection just because of brendan fraser and rachel weiss um yep. that movie's great but looking at a lot of modern stuff i'm going yeah i get it i think that the thing that people have to realize is the general audience sees three to five movies in theaters a year critics see three to five movies a week or a month like they see so many more movies and they're watching it for different things not saying critics can't enjoy mcdonald's but critics are accustomed to steaks more than they're they are big macs critics will still like big macs every once in a while but they will they like the process and the the art that goes into it so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at some of the movies that we found with the biggest splits between critic scores and audience scores we're also gonna say of the two which we side with more because sometimes mm-hmm. we'll side with the audience because we are and sometimes we'll side with the critics that's what we pretend to be <laughs> we're good at pretending it's fine yeah just, just fake it till you make it right yeah uh <laughs> it it definitely was uh i think uh odd of some of the ones i found like i think we mentioned this a little bit before we started recording of um how often it is that audiences love something and the create the uh critics absolutely hated it so it's like it's very it's very it's actually weird that it's more it's more rare for the critics to love something and audiences to hate it than it is the other way around I have some of those. Do we want yeah, to start right. with those? Sure, sure, sure. Go for it. I have one that I was genuinely surprised that the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 93% and audiences gave it a 46%. And I would have thought, given this movie, it would have been flipped. But that would be Robert Rodriguez's Spy Kids. Dude, I'm, yeah. For some reason... Critics loved it, and audiences hated it. I'm in the 46% that love Spy Kids. That first one is weird as hell, looking back on it. I'm attacked oh, yeah. by giant thumb men, and Floop's Fooglies are both endearing and terrifying. Also, Floop inspired a whole bunch of kids to play tapes and videos backwards to see if there's any subliminal messages like Pink Floyd. Um, <laughs> I think... Maybe it's because critics like already were accustomed to Robert Rodriguez's style. And we're like, oh yeah, this is a very do-it-yourself filmmaker, and this is really cool that he did a lot of this by himself. And audiences going, there is a thumb man and machete. What what is happening here? And a surprisingly sober Tommy Chong. Like, yep. <laughs> what is happening here? I freaking love the first Spy Kids. Oh, yeah. Actually, the second one is better, primarily just for that one line that Steve Buscemi says, you think God lives up in heaven <laughs> because he's afraid of his creations? I'm going, okay, Buscemi? Stop. Steve? That wasn't even in the script. Are you okay? Like, I, I fully believe that was just off the cuff by Steve, and he was having some episode or something. No, absolutely. I mean, like, does it, isn't that the one with, like, um, George Clooney as the president as uh, well? Like, uh, he's in a couple of them as the president. Yeah. Oh, dude, good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, the first one is fantastic, and I, I can totally see why <laughs> why audiences would see the first uh, Spy Kids and be like, 
what is this? This looks like it's made for $12. Like, this is like, it probably was made for $12. Yeah. But that's not the point. Um, but that, it's, it, it's so good. It's so good. It seems like a movie, though, that it would be flipped. The audiences would like it and critics would hate it mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. looking cheap and not having the production value and also not necessarily being the most original story. You know, the things that the critics would bash the sequels for, which I think is ironic. Yes, very, very ironic. <laughs> God, well, as long as we don't like go talk about um, the fourth Spike one, Kids, Spike Kids 3D. Hey, hey, hey! That's not nah. that bad. It's Spike Kids four that we don't talk about. The one where like no one came back and it was a completely yeah, oh, different yeah. family. That's fair. That that is. Fair. How could he bash uh, Spike Kids three when you have Stallone talking to himself as a bunch of different characters, like a hippie <laughs> and a BDSM <laughs> cop? <laughs> Like, yeah, but they bring Elijah Wood in, and I, as a kid, I pop. Like, you know, growing up with Lord of the Rings, I was like, whoa, that's Elijah Wood. That's Frodo, bro. That's crazy. And then he literally dies 15 seconds later. No. I was like, I am so disappointed as a child. <laughs> no, no. Spike It's 3 has one of the greatest subtle, like, if your ears are not on, you will miss it jokes of all time. So Junie shows up in the computer world. He's meeting everybody who've got, like, I forget what their name is. It's like, Let's yeah. just say Digi um, file, and one of them is named Hi, and Junie just goes Hi, Res. Goes to someone else and going Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you thought we would miss that, didn't you? <laughs> no. Well no, played. Even, <laughs> Robert, Robert just put that joke in just for for kicks and games. He's like, Nah, I, that's in there. At or, least or some- Junie, Junie just put it in there because I hear he's a very very funny guy. At least something in that movie is Hi, Res. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I mean, you can't upscale that movie at all. Like, I'm sorry. I would laugh oh, if they'd be dude. like, all the, the Spy Kids trilogy coming to 4K. I'm going, are you How sure? That ch- are How you does that sure? change it? That Microsoft Paint effect from the, the sequels. <laughs> but what would be, would be hilarious is if they did, they could have put it in 4K, and then all of a sudden, like, everything looks super realistic. So, like, the thumbs look actually real, and, like, they're not, like, they're actually there and stuff. And it's like, um, this somehow makes it scarier. I don't understand. <laughs> Better remaster than Last of Us. Oh, yeah. Okay, do you have any others that the audience hated but the critics love? Um, Last Jedi, apparently the critics absolutely loved, and obviously the Star Wars fan base was kind of like, we don't know about this one. Yep, so I have that one as well. The critics gave Last Jedi 91% of Rotten Tomatoes. Audience, 42%. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, boy. We have talked at length about this, of like, we're conflicted with Last Jedi, because Last Jedi as a movie is not that bad. As a Star Wars movie and as a middle part of a trilogy, it's bad. Yeah. Because you just like undercut literally every storyline's potentially out of spite because of your Mm -hmm. dislike for J.J. Abrams, depending on if you want to be one of those conspiracy theorists that thinks J.J. and Ryan don't like each other, which I kind of think that that might be the case. Um, (laughs) I get that the critics like it because they're viewing it of like, it's it is well made. It's got interesting visuals, a mm-hmm. incredibly bland color palette, but interesting visuals, um, some interesting storytelling with the anything Star Wars with Jedi stuff is interesting normally. It's 
normal humans that they struggle with. And Last Jedi yeah. is absolutely the biggest a victim of that. Of uh, the Ray and Kylo stuff is really interesting, weird romantic tones that I still don't necessarily enjoy because I always got a brother sister vibe from Kylo and Ray. Not that that stopped Star Wars in the past, but then you get to Finn and Rose who just <sighs> exist. And I just feel so bad because like the move, like the actress that plays Rose, it literally it's it's like what what's happening right now with Ray, Risa. Like like leave she's an actress in a movie like what it's like it's nothing new with star wars unfortunately ahmed best yeah. is jar jar jake lloyd is yeah. anakin and that's not even talking about um oh what's her name holdo just mm. last jedi it, it's a good movie i loved the throne room scene the first time i saw it, it my theater popped that scene does not hold up at all upon no. rewatch is going um why are y'all just standing around waiting to take turns? Kind of like the Matrix fight in the second Matrix movie. Like, mm-hmm. uh, on the flip side, though, because you can't talk about Last Jedi without talking about Rise of Skywalker, which mm-hmm. completely overcorrected in the opposite direction. And Josh and I have said before, we like Rise of Skywalker, but its biggest yeah. issue is it's trying to be a movie and a half in a solid movie because it's trying to quote-unquote fix things with the last jedi when it doesn't really have time to do that whereas rise of skywalker was hated by critics about half of them liked it 52 percent of critics liked it 86 percent of audiences liked it i think Star- really yeah 86 percent of the audience That's liked so it. so interesting it's higher I, I, than you I, thought I, isn't it yeah way higher because i i could have s- Almost everybody that I talk to hates Rise of Skywalker. So I don't... That's so wild to me. Hmm. I think it's... Star Wars fans are just very particular in what they like. And when it comes to specific characters, I think they just want to be treated a specific way. I know the biggest criticism a lot of people have is how Luke Skywalker is treated in Last Jedi. I don't hate it as much as some other people. I'm like, well, Yoda did the same thing. Obi-Wan did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot of people were hoping for the Luke that we see in Mandalorian. But I'm mm-hmm. like, the story's not about him anymore. Could he have been integrated better? Absolutely. Um, the fact that we didn't get the original three in a scene together at all is still a huge missed opportunity. Um, but I think Rise of Skywalker was closer to what some people wanted. Now, the movie had its own issues as the entire trilogy did did but i think that might have been closer to what audiences wanted more so than critics you can you can meet somewhere in the middle star wars you've done it before Uh, also while doing research for this i found it fascinating that the critics rated attack the clones higher than the audience did i'm going interesting critics y'all are weird man that's so weird because attack the clones is the worst star wars movie come at me I mean, that's obviously. I think we've gone on record as me saying, like, I hate uh, three the most. I hate Revenge of the Sith the most. But that's mostly because it gets it dives deep into the sappy space opera stuff. And I've Attack of the Clones does that too. I don't yeah, like sand. I, know, I didn't just kill but, the women. I didn't just kill I, the men, the, but the women and the children. Too, I slaughtered too. them like animals. animals. Also, I'm still. 
I don't like Vader on Obi-Wan. Uh, one, really? it complicates things. But two, did we need Hayden Christensen back? So far, we've seen him once in a weird Last Temptation of Christ scene. And other than that, it's a dude in a suit. Did it actually have to be Hayden Christensen? Or could it have been someone that actually walks like Vader? Um, but it's cool that he's back, I guess. We're just gonna bring everybody back, man. I mean, I... Bring back Mace Windu! He was in no. one of the pods this past episode! Wow, man, you're really getting ahead on that. Mm. Um, don't fall Don't fall from the window. No, I got, some, I people, don't got any... some people still claim he's alive, I'm going. Ha! Anyway... It's yeah. because it's because the arm that got severed by Mace Windu ended up being the arm that shows up in the uh, scene in Jurassic Park that lands on Ellie Sattler's shoulder because it's the same person. Jurassic Park and Star Wars exist in the same universe, and then you throw in Marvel because multiverse. All the Samuel Jackson movies are connected. It's the Jackson verse. So anyway, it's the Mother um... Effer universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a multiverse wow um, i don't remember asking you a gosh darn thing about this multiverse <laughs> all right i have i've had it say. with these multiverses in this multiversal plane <laughs> so let's talk about one that um surprised me quite a bit that critics liked because um and maybe this is reflective because the this movie the the critics rated it at ninety three percent and audiences ha- rated it at fifty two, which is basically hating it at that point. Um, and I don't think you'll be surprised that audience hated it because Ants is hard to look at. It's really hard to watch. Um, <laughs> also, like I think audiences are smart and just smell that. You smell it? Smell yeah. it? That smells like copyright infringement because Bugs Life came out a few months beforehand. Yeah. Like... And it's back in that era where DreamWorks is just like, oh, what are you guys working on? Can we copy our homework? Yeah, but change the up answers just a little bit. Bugs and Ants. A Bugs Life and Ants. Finding Nemo and Shark Tale. Like... Come on. Shark Tale is still horrifying. I don't care. Yeah, Shark Tale is actually more horrifying than ants. (sighs) But, like, ants also, like, (laughs) there are some, there were, I have vague memories of, like, endearing uh, moments in it. But, like, at the same time, it, like, felt like it's just hard to watch, man. Like, the termites are actually legitimately terrifying. So, I'll give them that. Um, I remember being actually scared of the termites in, in, in the, as a, when I watched it as a kid. But I think I'm more surprised that critics loved that movie. Like, that, that, that? Maybe that's why, like, you know, where your parents started to be like, hey, man, like, I, we don't care what the critics said. They said Ants was good. And that's horrifying. No, my parents hated Ants. <laughs> so yes. the thing with ants though is this is going to be such an obscure thing but all y'all are probably going to agree with me ants is forever relegated to that movie that everybody had on vhs but nobody watched like you yeah. go over to any one of your friend's house everyone had ants 
No one ever watched that. It was like the unopened VHS. That and Prince of Egypt. But Prince of Egypt's actually good. Like, everyone had those in the big, huge VHS things. Our younger audience, that was what was before DVD. And they were durable as hell. You could drop those things. You could put that in now and it would still remember. It cared about you more than DVDs did. Yes. DVDs, if you breathed on them wrong, they were like, oh, I guess I won't I work anymore. <laughs> I, I, I can't play. I'll, I'm just going to skip or freeze. So it's <laughs> it's funny that you bring up Ants because another one that I have actually segues perfectly out of Ants because it's not insects. It's insect adjacent. And it's insane to me that critics gave this a 93%, but audiences gave it a 54%. And I think I could tell why once I say the name arachnophobia get out of here nope done critics love this movie and audiences just a hunch i think i could tell why people don't like this movie and i don't (laughs) think it has anything to do with the quality of the movie i'm just gonna put that out there i just thought it was super (laughs) super funny seeing this big huge almost 40 percent split between critics and audiences and going i bet you i could figure out this one <laughs> put on my sherlock holmes thinking cap and get out the magnifying glass i wonder why a movie called arachnophobia might not have done well with general audiences yeah like yes we still are familiar like we still arachnophobia and eight-legged freaks like i feel like people have at least heard of both of those doesn't mean we've seen them but i bet this movie's great but I, I kind of have a hunch as to why audiences might not have liked it so much. I wonder why. Yeah, it's like people don't like spiders or something. It's so weird. <laughs> Let me look up what the critics' score for Anaconda is now. Uh-oh. I mean, Anaconda's probably made differently. Anaconda don't want none. I don't think it's going to be reviewed very well by by audience, by critic. How is that Anaconda? That that's the Toxic Avengers picture on top of an Anaconda yeah. homepage. No, yeah, that makes sense. Like, look, look, that's that's the Toxic <laughs> Avenger on the Anaconda Rotten Tomatoes page. Like, all right, um, all right. but I don't know no, who's both, editing for, for Rotten Tomatoes when they need. But to get both their, critics and audiences line. don't like Anaconda, so that that's a little different. I think it's just bizarre that critics love. Anaconda, they love uh, arachnophobia. They love anaconda, huh? Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about something that like, I was surprised about. I think a lot of this is, um, I think you and I don't really pay attention to scores all that much. Um, we kind of do just to kind of get a, get a general, general idea, but obviously we understand that, you know, movies are going to hit different people in different ways. Um, School of Rock now, if I was like, hey, man, uh, what do you think people thought of, of School of Rock? If I was like, hey, critics and audiences, where, where, where do you think the split is? Who liked it more? I know critics um, liked it more. Yeah, which is so weird because that movie has gone down in like pop culture infamy and is like so like universally beloved. I would have thought that, you know, when it was in theaters, it was a bigger deal. But I guess... You know, I guess going to the two movies, you know what? Maybe that's the block, block, blockbuster phenomenon. Maybe it's people didn't see it until they took it home. 
Um, so I don't know, but like it, the fact of the matter is, Rock, School of Rock would have um, had a ninety-two percent with critics and a sixty-four percent with uh, audiences when Even it was released. So that still means that the majority of general audiences liked it, but not nearly as many as they should because that movie is great. And absolutely, one of the many movies that kind of got Jack Black to the mainstream because Jack Black is precious and deserves everything because he's great. <laughs> Bro, their Tenacious D is making uh, some trail mix, and the, I, I, the I saw the trailer for it, and it was like Tenacious D's nuts. Dang it! Dang it! They stole the joke that I was gonna go with. I was like, yeah. But at least, at least good for them that they saw the joke in front of them and they capitalized on it. Cause, dang it! As soon as you said trail mix, I was going. Oh, when when are we gonna get a chance to say it? When are we gonna chance to say it? <laughs> good job, Jack that's, Black. That's fantastic. I I can't like that's just so good. Oh my gosh. Um Well other ones that surprised me. Warcraft apparently Pete audience mem- actually liked it. Like I don't understand that because it's Yeah, that movie sucks. I think yeah. so I think biases play a huge factor in audience mm-hmm. reaction to stuff. Hmm, weird. Um, like, I'm sure there's movies that you and I are more inclined to like naturally than other people mm-hmm. because of own factors. Like, I will always be more inclined to like a Halloween movie because of previous yes. attachments to it than someone that doesn't like horror. But I think there's there's definitely a a bias to that one. People coming into it going, well, I yeah. I guess, but like we're talking, I'm talking like audience scored it at 76, and uh, critics gave it a 28. Like that's a pretty sizable split, huh? So, I did. That's so weird to me, because I mean it's. I guess audience members like CGI orcs. <laughs> well, also I think that's one of those of like people were familiar the people that actually saw warcraft all 15 of them (laughs) the people that went out to see warcraft are the ones that are familiar with the source material it's comes back to the bias thing of yeah say what you will about like personal beliefs but christian movies are normally the biggest victim of the critics and audience split because of who goes out to see them Critics True. who see everything don't like Christian movies because typically they suck. But audience scores are pretty typically pretty high because the people that do go out to see Christian movies are typically Christians that were yes. already pre-cognitive, like already made the assumption, well, it's got messages that I support. And it's not so much even just with Christian movies. Like you could have a very left-leaning um, Michael Moore documentary and if mm-hmm. you've got left-leaning people that are going to see it that already resonate with the messages that are being presented in that movie, they're going to view that movie more favorably than a critic who's supposed to be much more of a neutral party in this. True. So I think that's the case there for Warcraft here of the 15 people that saw Warcraft, unfortunately was one of them, uh, they were already familiar with the Warcraft source material. But... It's funny that you bring up Warcraft. I can segue that to something else that I think the the audience score was higher, which is interesting because I don't think a lot of people were as familiar with the source material. Uncharted. 
Hmm. Uncharted has a 40% critic rating and a 90% audience rating. Hey. And I'm going, sequel, that we can fix the problems of the first one, most notably the soundtrack. <laughs> Go find us on social media and I fix the Uncharted scene and put the proper music and actually like fix the wonky editing and timing. Um, but at least in my experience, a good chunk of the audience that went to see Uncharted didn't play the video games. Obviously, you're going to have some crossover, but that was one that was targeted for mainstream appeal to a wide audience, hence why they cast Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. Try and reach all the four quadrants that they're looking for. I'm somewhere in the middle on this one. I understand the critics' side of it, and if I had to pick, I lean more with the critics, Mm. but I get the audience side of, as a stupid fun adventure movie, it's okay. It's not to the level of other adventure movies like A Mummy or Jumanji or National Treasure. But that's my uncharted bias. That's not a movie thing. That's a, that's a yeah. personal bias thing. But that split is such a big thing. That's 50 points right there of yeah critics. I don't think any critics out and out hated the movie. They were just like, it's a video game movie. It's really not that good. But for a video game movie, it's a... It's a world of difference that has basic competency, except for the music, and I refuse to let that go. <laughs> I still have to see it. So <laughs> there's that. Um, but like, that's not like the first time though in recent years that uh, a that the critics have absolutely hated a movie, and audiences by and large liked it. Um, Venom recently, like audiences rated at 81, and critics were like, "Nah, this is a 30 percent at best." Like. Mm. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because it's very like oddly charming. It's it by is it the best superhero movie out there? Absolutely not. Does it try to do anything really new? Not really. But gosh dang, is that that like dynamic between Venom and and Tom Hardy? Just I mean, so it's Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy. Um, just so great. <laughs> He's got a great dynamic with himself. So <laughs> is this Josh defending Venom? I am. I will defend Venom. I I'm not sure about Let There Be Carnage, and um, and yeah. it will never be. It'll never be Morbin time. Um, oh god, <laughs> dude, have you seen the? There's a video. There's like on his on his social media on Jared Leto's social media of him quote unquote reading a script for Morbius two, and it says Morbius two. It's Morbin time. <laughs> I will still laugh at the fact that Sony had the balls to be like, oh, because of the memes, we're popular again. Re-release Morbius in theaters. <laughs> it made $850,000 that weekend. I'm going, sit down, shut up. We will never speak of this again. Like, memes do not oh. mean money. That needs no, to be a shirt. Not. Memes do not mean money. I can't. I can't handle it. The Morbid Time stuff is so funny to me. Um, it's great. Yeah, just how ter- they can take a terrible movie and make it abs- – memes in general are – It's it's it, it will ruin your movie. You can't watch the prequels without seeing all of the memes. Oh, yeah. Um, or Shrek at this point. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, so the last ones I kind of have – I have like four left. Okay, um, I got six left, so – Jeez. Okay, hit me with two then, my dude. I got one that's another huge disparity between critics and mm-hmm. audience. Critics gave this a 36%. And I'll just say it now. The critics are right on this one. The audience 
gave it a 92%. Netflix's Red Notice, starring Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot. I think everyone's just going, oh, Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson are fun together. Yes, but they can't make a movie that's above passable, apparently, because, well, Hobbs and Shaw was pretty good. But Red notices, oh my gosh, it is the most Netflix movie that has ever Netflixed. Let's just get a whole bunch of famous people put it in it, put a half-baked script together with some funny quips and a whole bunch of really pretty places to look at, and then people will sit down and watch it, and they'll forget about it by the weekend. That's exactly Red Notice in a nutshell. Like, it is not a awful movie, but there is a few too many plot quote-unquote plot twist and i'm going so that's the twist no no don't look behind the curtain that's the twist isn't it okay yeah that's that's the twist we we thought we were clever also i love i think it's the (laughs) honest trailer that points out oh look they're drinking from aviation gin or the rocks alcohol like there's so much blatant product placement from the actor's own brand i'm going "Hmm." god yeah Red Notice was, it was a movie that happened. I would rather watch Adam Sandler's, um, I think it was Murder Party or something like that. I'd rather watch that again, which actually was was not that bad. It's the one where Adam Sandler's a detective and he's married to Jennifer Aniston because that's, yeah, 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 at least it wasn't (laughs) Kevin James married to Jennifer Aniston because that happens more often than Adam Sandler for some reason. Well, okay, yeah, but Kevin James is like actually married to, uh, his uh was it queen's co-star i Is forget he? her name yeah i'm almost certain that they're actually married um i might be wrong on that but um i mean it wouldn't be the first time that i'm wrong uh i think it's yeah i think it's her yeah oh okay cool all right i was right good cool. job so, yeah good question brain they met on thing. a blind date in 2001 that's so they she stayed so i guess they dated before they filmed queens then that's crazy uh no, Queen, right. the king of queens started in 1998 hmm. all right uh anyway let's <laughs> we're not going down like like i wonder about the relationships uh, stuff of uh kevin james that's yes, not what this that, episode that's what this podcast that's is about, this is turn it's about the love life of kevin into. james <laughs> oh my gosh I but mean, yes red yeah. notice um let's see what else okay this doesn't have as much of a disparity but it's still pretty noticeable the critics gave this movie a 79 percent, and the audience who i absolutely will side with on this one gave it a 45 percent. captain marvel still yeah. one of the weakest marvel movies and i get that it's significant of like it's marvel's first female-led superhero movie it would have been more impactful if you were just the first superhero female-led superhero movie, but you had to let DC take that risk and make sure that Ike Perlmutter got fired first because he was a horrible misogynist who didn't believe in female superhero movies. Um, you had to let DC do it first and make sure that the water was safe. And also, it should have been Black Widow, not Captain Marvel. And also, Brie Larson, I think, is a good actress, but she's terribly miscast for this movie to the point of it becomes an issue when the movie's just like, Carol, you gotta control your emotions. She does not emote. She has no emotion. And also, this movie was made by like four or five writers. Not that you could tell. 
by all the juggling and confusing storylines and how things are handled in this, uh, Captain Marvel is a movie. And that's really all the this nice is. things I can say about that. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know those those characters in the Fantastic Four series that are, excuse me, a con- traditionally considered uh, pretty bad villains? Yeah, um, let's uh, make them sympathetic characters in this film. That, that, that totally makes sense. I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Captain Marvel is... I feel bad saying it's not great, but like... Yeah, it's just not. I still am a little mad that it's not Charlize Theron or Katie Sackhoff as yeah. Captain Marvel. So now, I, now I have four more. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, I think of the ones that I have here, the, my last ones. There is only one that I have not seen. Same. There's only one Much that I have not like, seen, and it shows in the audience score. Um. So back in the day, the Coen brothers released a movie called Hail Caesar. Um, And I personally am the kind of person that I I just don't like Hollywood kind of patting itself on the back. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care about movies that are about Hollywood history. Um, But the critics do because they gave Hail Caesar an 86% and audience scores was, was a 44, like real low. And I... I have not seen it, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be like, yeah, and it deserved that low score. But, like, I don't think the general movie-going audience cares about Hollywood history. Um, I think if if you care, you went out and saw it and probably thought it was fantastic. But I, I don't think the general audience that's going to movies, like you said, like, the general audience goes to maybe one to two movies a month, if that. So, yeah, I, it's just... yeah let me go with my one movie that i have not seen with a critic score of 92 percent and an audience score of 52 percent jeez adam sandler's uncut gems interesting critics loved adam sandler's uncut gems i mean he started it's the safety brothers movie um i was curious about this movie and i still really really want to check it out i think the trailers were almost hypnotic they capture you so quickly i don't know why the audience reaction was so bad to this maybe it was we're so accustomed to a specific adam sandler movie that maybe 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 some people went into it thinking it was like that but that see i don't know because if it's a good movie people would kind of i think adjust to it quicker I've heard nothing but good things about it and especially Sandler's performance. So I'm not so sure. Maybe it was the audience's expectations to me, just blindly seeing these numbers of critics loving it and audiences hating it. My immediate thought is slower pacing and much more character driven stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which I do not mind. Uh, we'll talk about that with another movie um, but like that's so weird because everybody that i've talked to is always like yeah dude you need to see uncut gems it's fantastic blah 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 so i, I i'm not i'm very i don't know why that audience score is so low that's so interesting to and me. it's not like they were short on reviewers uh uncut, yeah yeah uncut gems has over ten thousand reviews from audiences that's so weird yeah so about half the general audience that saw it did not like it 
So hmm. whether they were expecting eight crazy nights, I I don't know. They were they were really expecting a Jack and Jill sequel, and then they got Uncut Gems. So I understand why. If you're expecting Jack and Jill, and then you get Uncut, uncut Gems, like I I would be pretty upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be like going in and uh, expecting Goodwill Hunting and getting one hour photo. <laughs> no, both are excellent. <laughs> yes, but if you're expecting one thing and getting no, because you're expecting <laughs> quality from one and garbage from the other, like you can still adjust to a different term of good. Like Jack and Jill is just skid mark on the underpants of society. <laughs> oh, jeez! Hey, tell me how you feel about Jack and Jill without telling me how you feel about Jack and Jill. Um, jeez. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I got one. My last three are two of them audiences liked, and I'm not sure who they talked to because everybody that I talked to didn't like that movie, these movies. Um, and then one of them is makes complete sense. Uh, so let's talk about. I have both. I have two horror actually. Those my last two. Uh, uh, so you'll remember a movie that had fantastic trailers it had uh some of our 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 favorite actors in it um but then when we went and saw it it comes at night is yay that's one of mine yeah as bland and as boring of a quote-unquote monster movie as as they come but Critics loved it for some reason, <laughs> and I don't know why. Yep. The numbers I have is that critics that ha- rated it at eighty-seven, and audience had it at forty-four. Yep, which that's is what I had. Yep, pretty, pretty sizable. And I genuinely don't. I, I can't figure it out. I don't know why. You have they seen would it have as well. So high. You've yeah, seen I have. It? Okay. Yeah. It's like it takes itself too seriously. There's no real monster at the end so it's the monster was the real monster was the friends we made along the way (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah because like okay cool i guess like i i think at this point i'm tired of the 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 trope of oh yeah like this is a zombie movie but with but like the, the the humans are the real villain. It's like okay, that's cool. But so like every zombie movie ever got it. Okay, yeah, so The Walking Dead, <laughs> uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, like um, oh jeez, the concept Night of the is Dead. not original anymore. No, it's not. I it's am legend. Really not, I am legend. Um, just like the idea that the the humans are are the real villains like okay we get it that's fine that's not interesting anymore yeah um, I that's heard... why that, that's why i think world war z was so cool huh yeah because they're actually evil zombies kind, kind yeah. of terrifying it comes at night was on my list to watch for so long because i mm-hmm. heard so much hype about it plus joel edgerton's in it and joel edgerton yes. is a perfect human being and actor and deserves more love and praise and why isn't he on obi-wan more just send Obi-Wan home and make Joel Edgerton go on this whole mission by himself. Owen has to go on this mission. Um, I, although I do appreciate seeing all the Owen memes. <laughs> like, the Owen memes are yes. great. So I saw It Comes at Night expecting something great. And there's some good performances in it. 
But in the wise words of Josh, slow burns are fine so long as there's an actual fire by the end of it. And there's not. <laughs> there's not. There's no payoff. Um, there's some clever camera work of, like, as the movie progresses, the aspect ratio shrinks over time to make it more claustrophobic and closer to the dream sequences that you get. Mm-hmm. But it's not creepy. It's not unsettling. It's just kind of dry more than anything and i i'm mm-hmm. totally on board with slow burn movies but there's no payoff to facilitate that it's 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 whatever it's a movie that exists it was disappointing yeah. i'd say didn't i feel like the the blair witch remake came out about the same at the same year if i remember right uh, very close to it around that um, time i think it comes to night might have been 2017 yeah and that's a movie i think in some ways is kind of similar in that it is a slower, a slow burn, but like Blair Witch, that lasts like 15, yeah, it comes at night with seventeen. Yeah, so that that of uh, that black lasts like 10, 15, 20 minutes of Blair Witch is some of the most intense like horror filmmaking I have seen. I'd seen on a while, and so like, I think to me, I was expecting something like that. Like, okay, if we're slow burning, there's a reason we're gonna like ab- ab- absolute hell is gonna break loose at the end of this film, and then like you said, like nothing really happens and it's kind of really like it's meant as a expectation subversion but it doesn't do it very well it's kind of like what happens in last of jedi last jedi there's a lot of attempts at expectation subversion but like it just doesn't it it doesn't hit right yeah so this next one i would not be surprised at all if it showed up on josh's list uh, with an 89% critic score and a 50% audience score. And Josh and I will firmly be on the side of the audience for this one. The Green Knight. This, I know some of y'all really, really like this. And if you do, that's awesome. But it has been a while since I was more thoroughly disappointed and utterly confused by a movie. Not just from the plot, but the choices that are made in the movie um it is gorgeous to look at it's definitely got some great acting in it dev patel is doing a phenomenal job but absolutely again like it comes at night there's a good joel edgerton but it comes at night showcase joel edgerton's acting ability this absolutely relegates joel edgerton to the background when he's supposed to be a very very critical character in this movie and they don't really address that like at all um there there's there's some important stuff there's some important yeah. stuff involving this character and i'm not saying people need to well if they just you know you got to read the original legend before you see the movie i i get that but i think in order to get the themes of the movie more also you know having this ridiculously long fake out at the end Oh. Yeah, I, I, and I think you know me. Like, I'm not a fan of having to do homework for movies. I mean, at this point, anytime a Marvel movie comes out, you have to do homework, and that's annoying to me. Um, but like, when it comes to something like Green Knight, I think you both, you and I, were extremely hyped for this film, and for it to come out and literally be, I was so confused. I like, I know the legend, and even I was like, wait, why? why are we doing that that's 
All right, fine. Um, so, but like, yeah, I'm definitely with the audience on that one. I mean, I can, I can see why the critics loved it. I'm not going to lie to that. It's, it's very, it's a very beautiful movie. The acting is fantastic. The score is pretty good, or the lack of score. Um, the, the visuals are good, but like at the same time, um, just having great visuals in your movie doesn't make it a good movie. Um, yes. Like, why do we, on. why do we bag on Michael Bay for having mm-hmm. basically visual only movies, but then give a pass to somebody else? Yeah, exactly. And like Michael and see, like, that's the thing. Like at, at the very least he's got, uh, Michael Bay has Transformers one, which is pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, so I mean he's got some some wins there, but like yeah, it's a, and I think it was disappointing too because I think you and I have such a respect for for A twenty four, um as a studio that releases like pretty also did it comes at night. That doesn't surprise me at all. No, <laughs> they do some pretty unique stuff, and they always will. And I I feel like they can't all be bangers, <laughs> unfortunately. So um, let's talk about the last two I have. Uh, the audience scores were significantly higher, like significantly higher than critics. Were. And the first one I got that uh, I don't understand why the, why it's so high. But um, back in the day when you know people were trying to do new things with, with the fantasy writing genre, um, a little movie with Will Smith came up on Netflix called bright and critics gave it a great 27 percent uh what's surprising to me is audiences gave it an 83 because Because will smith is in it yeah but like it's not a good movie no i'm with the critics (laughs) on that one like i like and and before like we you go i go any farther on this like i want to make sure my issues with the movie have nothing to do with the, uh, the the conversation on race that it has, because that is a for, for those who don't read or watch a lot of fantasy, that conversation's always there. That kind of thing always happens in fantasy. Um, it's nothing new. Um, they're just putting Will Smith in it so you pay attention to it. Um, that being said, it is not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, like you can't just like add random like ma- you have to explain your magic system. You can't just have magic and be like, guys, it's magic. Like that's not how that works. I'm sorry, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. What's your other one? My final one is a movie I personally enjoyed. I think you liked it as well. Um, and critics did not like it at 31%. Audiences liked it at 89%, which is not bad at all. But this movie ended up being, it's kind of predictable, but Jigsaw was actually like a decent time. I personally, I'm kind of siding with with the audience on this one at if the 89%. If I had to pick us two, yeah, audience, slightly. Yeah, like it's, yeah, I... I, I didn't hate it. It was a good time. Um, like, don't get me wrong. I, think... I get that Saw has an established aesthetic that is a Taco mm-hmm. Bell bathroom, but yeah. I appreciated it not being ugly to look yeah. at for once. Like, Absolutely. I know it's such, such a low bar to cross, but I'm just like, ah, doesn't look like actual dung. Yes. Uh, yes, I use like... 
dung in twenty twenty two. I think what's what's interesting too though is that um it was the first time like I had seen a trailer for a Saw movie and I was like, yo, I want to watch the crap out of that. That looks super cool. And there's a lot of really interesting visuals in this in this movie. And the uh, while it does turn out to be a prequel and that is in some ways if you're paying attention and you know your your your, your saw lore um is kind of predictable and they kind of don't do a good job of of hiding that but i think critics definitely saw this and was like oh it's another saw movie all right and just like the critics in general hate uh horror films so (laughs) yes unless those horror movies are perfect like halloween in which case they'll love that and then always compare every sequel to the original and not base it off its own merits correct Um, my last one leading up to the movie you and i would have sided with the critics because listening back to old episodes we neither of us were particularly excited for this movie but both of us ended up loving it this movie has a 57% critic reaction and a 94% audience reaction. Wow. Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. Oh, yeah. Critics hated this movie, and I do not get why. Like, I'm sure they'll be like, well, it's not as good as the original. As its own standalone movie, it's way better than it has any right to be. Does it have some issues? Of course. Uh, but actually giving Jasmine some characterization and some urgency in her story as opposed to just kind of being there to wed by the end of the story is actually great. Um, I think it's still funny whenever I watch Aladdin going, oh yeah, the dude that plays Aladdin, he's, he's a pretty decent singer. Naomi Scott starts singing, oh, so that's the actual singer of the group. You don't notice how not great of a singer Aladdin is until he starts doing the duet with Jasmine. You're going, oh, so that's the real singer right there. Uh, yes. If I had a gripe, it's the one that everyone has a gripe with. Jafar sucks. Like, Jafar is not very good in that Aladdin yeah. movie. But on the whole... Aladdin was way better than had any right to be, um, whether it was the wonky CG in the trailers. None of us were particularly expecting much. Also, the Disney live-action movies have been really hit or miss. I dislike to almost borderline hate, not full hate, but strongly, strongly dislike the Emma Watson Beauty and the Beast movie. Um, love Jungle Book. That was great. So didn't really know what crapshoot we would get with Aladdin. And it was fantastic. Way better than it had any right to be. Uh, I'll still go back and rewatch uh, the Prince Ali number just for the vivid mm-hmm. colors and the choreography. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, that, that needs to be an actual thing. That was so well done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of it, some of us had a bad taste in our mouths from being like, Will Smith is going to be genie like uh we have such a you know nostalgic connection to robin williams as now he leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouths yeah uh but like at the same Tastes time like a palm <laughs> the that joke was a slap in the face um <laughs> we will never get tired of these jokes people I'll never ever get tired of it um but he does a good he hand cocked his hand back get out of here um he he doesn't do a terrible job he's he's pretty likable as the genie and you can tell that he has 
he has Aladdin's best interest in mind, which is not like a genie at all. Um, but still, like you can tell that he wants to be Aladdin's friend and he wants the best for him. And he constantly is like trying to be like, yo, are, is, are you sure that's like what you think? Or are you sure that's what you're feeling? Like, um, it's a good stuff. I, it, it's way better than it had any right to be. I personally kind of enjoyed the Emma Watson, Beauty and the Beast, but that's more because the... Um, Beauty and the Beast, so the the Beast song, took me it's off guard. So good, it's, it's so, so good. good. I was like, whoa, it whoa, almost whoa, redeems the this? movie, almost, almost, almost. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Aladdin was way better than it had any right to be, and I just, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know why critics don't like it, but at the same time, like, because critics are dead inside, yeah, and so are we. Yeah. My only complaint <laughs> with Aladdin is that they didn't do a Fresh Prince joke. I'm like, it was right there in front of you. And previ <laughs> previous genie broke the fourth wall. Why can't you? It's just that simple. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of the movies that you've seen how the critics view it, but you're just like, nah, screw that. I'm on the complete other end of the spectrum, whether you loved it, whether you hated it. Let us know in the comments below. It was like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. Help us get to 700 subscribers before the end of the year, which we've got a whole bunch of you that joined us recently. So thanks for that. Keep sharing us hey. with your friends. Uh, yeah, yeah. If we get to 700 before the end of the year, We'll talk about <laughs> talk about Darth Jar Jar. I'm getting real nervous that that's actually going to be a thing oh, now. It's going to be the thing now, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I'm so excited. You have no idea. But as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.